You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. After going back through the tape of the Bears' loss to the Rams on Sunday night, I found myself even more impressed by David Montgomery, even more concerned about this Bears defense, and overall having a better understanding of where Andy Dalton and Justin Fields stand one week into the season. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm an analyst for Pro Football Focus, and I'm here to bring you your daily, in-depth, Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Bears. You can like Lockdown Bears on Facebook, join the Lockdown Bears Facebook group, and make sure that you are subscribed to the Lockdown Bears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. On the show today, we go back through Bears Rams, having rewatched the game, going through the tape, and breaking down some key plays, some key situations, and some key trends throughout the game. We'll talk about Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, how this Bears offense looked with the two quarterbacks in there, and very small Justin Fields sample size, but kind of go through some of his key plays and some of the things that may have held the Bears offense back with Andy Dalton, and also some of the things I think Dalton did particularly well, or things that stood out as to why Dalton was in there as opposed to Justin Fields, I suppose. Then we'll touch on David Montgomery in the running game, how well he ran, and Damian Williams in there as well, and some of the schematic things the Bears did against the Rams defense. We'll touch on the Bears defense and how they gave up so many points and where the Rams seem to be finding success against this Bears defense. And then we have to wrap up with some comments from wide receiver Marquise Goodwin just yesterday. He had a very sort of telling quote about this Bears offense and how they were operating against this Rams defense and how he kind of felt like what they were doing schematically and from their game plan standpoint played right into the Rams' hands. And it was kind of perceived as a shot at Matt Nagy. I don't know if I'm ready to go that far, but something to dig into a little bit more here on today's podcast. But I want to start with the two Bears quarterbacks because it was apparent right away when you watch Justin Fields come into the game, it was like... They, they had a specific idea in mind of how they wanted to get him in very controlled situations, right? One play at a time, kind of well set up, pre not predetermined per se, but kind of pre-designed to where it's not the full offense that he's coming in and running. And what stood out to me, particularly the very first play he was in, it was the, the pass on the right side of the field to Marquise Goodwin, just, you know, an eight or nine yard little out route snap catch, turn, throw, completion, kind of easy against more or less off coverage. But when you go back and watch the game, Andy Dalton had just run the exact same play on the previous play, but the outcome and the sort of operation was very different. So Andy Dalton comes out with one receiver to his right side, two to his left. He's got two backs in the backfield with him. He sends one in motion towards the two receivers to essentially put three pass catchers on that side when he snaps the ball. And he's got like a, a run pass option to either hand it off to the running back or he could pull it and throw it to the running back that he just sent in motion on a screen to that side of the play. He decides to hand it off to the running back. The numbers weren't exactly, it, the defense was in a good position to stop sort of either one of those. And it was a run that didn't really go anywhere. Justin Fields comes in the game, same formation, same play. Running back goes in motion to the two receiver side. Field snaps it and instead turns right 
throws to Goodwin on the quick out route. And it, so that there was a pre-snap and a post-snap read on that play, something before the ball snaps, something after. And Dalton, for whatever reason, didn't make the same read, despite the defense giving him the same look. That Dalton also had his single receiver to the right. For him, it was Jimmy Graham. For Fields in the next play, it was Marquise Goodwin, but it was the same route, the same play. Dalton didn't really see or choose to go to Graham, who had the same off coverage and was the same amount of open that Fields was throwing to. Dalton instead chooses to hand the ball off on the post-snap RPO read. Fields had been watching on the sidelines, maybe saw Dalton miss that. Nagy comes in the game and says, hey, that single receiver on the far side should be open. You might want to look there. He does easy completion, right? So it's not as simple as, like, Justin Fields knows the offense better and runs the play better. I mean, he got to watch Dalton do it once and then come in and execute it himself after seeing kind of a dress rehearsal right before then. So, you know, there's there's something there, but at the same time, it's also the rookie quarterback making the right read on that play. It wasn't though as though Dalton was making terrible reads. I mean, you could go through this game and you saw a lot of... Like, one of the things that stand, stood out for me for Andy Dalton is... There were a, a number of plays where you could see him really go through a full field progression. You know, he's, he goes from one receiver on the right to the middle of the field to the middle of the field to the left and throws to the left, right? You can see him kind of going through a whole progression and relatively quickly. It's not something we saw a lot of from Mitch Trubisky. Obviously, fields, we haven't seen enough of him on the field with the Bears to really accurately judge how well that's translating for him to the NFL. But right, that's part of the veteran understanding and processing that you see from Andy Dalton. You know, it was, it was fairly quick progressions and able to go through them. And they usually ended in check downs, but if, if, if that's what's open, that's what's open, right? I mean, if everyone else is covered, you got to throw it somewhere. That's just how it ended up a lot for, for Andy Dalton. But I also noticed that with Dalton, there were, there were some stare downs as well. If it was a play where pre-snap, he knows where he's going to go with it. It's a little bit slower and it's a little bit stared down and the defense was able to kind of key in on it. Like you'd like to see, if, even if he knows where he's going to throw this ball based on what coverage they're in before the snap, at least kind of look it off or pretend like you don't know where you're going to go. But there were a couple times where it's like, okay, I know I'm throwing the curl to my left and he snaps, stares down that curl to his left and then throws the curl to his left. And the defense was able to close on a little bit quicker. And it's just, it's kind of a weird dichotomy there. Of, he was going through fast progressions when he had progressions to go through. But when he didn't have progressions to go through and it was just a one-read play, those he stared down and was a little bit too intentional about. Whereas with Fields, you know, on that first play, you know, he also kind of stared down and completed a good win, but that was the right read that Dalton had missed the previous play. Or like Fields had the shovel pass. I think it was, might have been, it was his second pass. It might have been his second play as well in the game where, you know, he's got, it's actually Darnell Mooney on a, an option to hand it off to, and then he flips it instead forward to uh, Allen Robinson coming across. On that play, I felt like when you kind of look at the edge rusher that is being optioned, best best move probably would have been to hand it off. Instead, Fields flips it forward to Robinson, and he gets kind of crushed. And you look at that one and say, well, maybe maybe Justin Fields made the wrong read on that play. It was a completion, gained him one or two yards, but maybe wasn't the best spot to go. But then, you know, you go to the touchdown run that Justin Fields had on the read option run, and same thing. He's got a running back, and there's an unblocked defender on the edge. And if he if he crashes down on the running back, he's supposed to keep it and run himself. If he waits for Justin Fields, then you hand it off to David Montgomery up the middle. The edge rusher waited for Justin Fields, but Fields still kept it, right? It looked like the wrong read. He should have handed it off to the running back. And yet, despite it being kind of the wrong read and the line, the edge rusher still waiting for Fields, he scores. He scored a touchdown on that play. He got to the outside. He had a tight end pulling with him, but it was like there were two defenders and one blocker plus fields. 
He was not supposed to score on that play. And his speed, his athleticism, the acceleration to kind of make that cut, lower the shoulder and dive forward into the end zone, it still worked, even though it's, he seemed to make kind of the almost the wrong read there. And for me, that's the whole point as to why you start Justin Fields right now as a rookie. He might not be crisp, 100% perfect on all his reads and all his decision-making, but he's so good and so talented that it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter on that read option play that he made the wrong move because he's so talented to overcome it. And that's why he's so clear that even with bumps and learning curves along the way that he gives you the best chance to win and a better chance to win than Andy Dalton. He's only going to get better by getting more of that experience. So, I mean, it's it's like beating a dead horse at this point, but start Justin Fields. What are we doing here? Let's see this sooner rather than later, especially when the Bears are starting to have some real success with the running game. That'll make Fields' job so much easier, and Fields can then open up the passing game even more. We'll break down how David Montgomery was so successful and a couple of things the Bears did schematically to set up that running game success next on Locked On Bears. The Bears open up as three-point favorites over the Cincinnati Bengals on betonline.ag, your number one source for all your sports betting needs, all the pro and college football action you could possibly want this season. They got a new updated site, a new interface, so even more odds, props, and contests for you to play and win at betonline.ag. I bet, I bet the under last week on Bears-Rams, they just barely went over in the end of the fourth quarter with that last touchdown. I thought I was in on it for that whole game. But, hey, that's what makes these games even more fun when you have a little bit of action on. That's why you got to use our promo code Locked On when you go to betonline.ag and sign up, and they will match your first deposit with a big welcome bonus to give you even more money to play with and win at betonline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. Upon further review, I wasn't super upset that David Montgomery only got 16 carries because, I mean, they did all come through the first three quarters, essentially, and the Bears were down two scores in the fourth, and I understand you got to pass at that point, even though it probably I, mean, I would have mixed in a couple more, but like Matt Nagy was saying, you only really hit that 20 to 25 mark when you're running with the lead later on. So I'm not as, I'm not as, as fired up about, you know, you want to get him the ball more earlier in the game, certainly, but down the stretch there, all right. Uh, you know, you can kind of live with that. But it really stood out to me just how hard he was running and how much individual effort went into that beyond what was a decent run-blocking performance by the offensive line. And and I think the, the Rams' defensive scheme put him and the Bears offense in a good position to run. Chris Collinsworth, I think, mentioned it on the pod or on the podcast, on the broadcast, excuse me, that the Rams were going to a lot of two deep safety looks. And and really what you saw a lot of was like one off ball linebacker where they'd have like five guys on the line of scrimmage and then one linebacker behind them. And that makes it very difficult to once the running back gets through the line of scrimmage for there to be enough players there to tackle him right away. And that was a big part of why David Montgomery was able to find some room also because his offensive line blocked well enough for him to actually get through that line of scrimmage. But generally speaking, you talk about like number of defenders in the box and the Bears pretty regularly had the same number of blockers as there were tacklers. So if they blocked everybody, there was no one left to tackle David Montgomery so he could get into the second level and a a safety or a cornerback or maybe a linebacker would eventually have to circle over to get him. But that's how he was getting five, six yards of carry throughout the course of the game. But at the same time, 
some very, very strong individual efforts. Go back and watch his touchdown run. I tweeted it out yesterday at Cox Sports One. It's on the at NFL Twitter handle. Or if you have NFL Game Pass, go back and watch it because right away from the snap, Jermaine Effetti whiffs on his block. Sam Mustafer whiffs on his block. And there are two Rams defensive linemen in the backfield ready to tackle David Montgomery. And somehow he split both of them and dove into the end zone for a touchdown. It was unbelievable. Just absolutely no business gaining yards, let alone scoring a touchdown on that play. I mean, it was just incredible for some of the different things we saw from him. And there was another one, like a couple of plays where like that second effort that he gives, there was one where like another initial penetration in the backfield defensive tackle wraps him up for a loss. And Montgomery kind of bounces off of it and like falls and stumbles forward and puts a hand in the dirt before kind of losing his balance completely and diving forward to gain like three or four yards on a play where it should have been a loss of two, just like creating his own yards after conduct in a way that just really, I think stood out as continued progress from where he was last season. I think similarly schematically, the bears brought in a couple of nice trap running plays where you intentionally leave sometimes Aaron Donald unblocked. You say, you know what? We're not going to be able to consistently stop him on a regular one-on-one block because he, he's too good off the line of scrimmage. So you leave him unblocked, and you pull someone else to blindside him. It's called, I mean, you trap him, literally, because he thinks he's free, and then somewhere he's not expecting, a blocker comes in and kind of pushes him out of the way. The Bears ran a few of those trap blocking plays that were not, they're not a common part of Matt Nagy's offenses in the past, and they were quite successful just a couple of times they sprinkled it in there. I would, I would expect more of those coming here in the, new, in the near future for this Bears offense as they try and get this running game going in some new and different ways, and I think definitely mission accomplished so far on that side of the ball. Definitely uh, needs a lot of improvement on the other side of the ball, and I, was, I found myself more concerned individually going through this last game and seeing some of the guys in there that were having some real struggles in there. Obviously, I think we've all kind of seen by now the slot cornerback, Marquis Christian. Rough game for him. Uh, not that he was, I mean, there was, of course, the the big blown coverage touchdown that maybe he should have stayed with, but even like underneath, you know, just too much separation here and there, a couple of missed tackles, and they kept going after him, and he kept being just a step or two out of the way against some good route running receivers, but that's partially why I think the Bears brought in a couple of defensive backs for workouts this past week, and I'm guessing maybe we'll see Duke Shelley at least active next week against the Bengals, even if they're not ready to fully bench Marquis Christian just yet. But as I was looking back through, Alec Ogletree had some similar struggles at linebacker where, like, he's in coverage in particular, where he's athletic and he's fast, but he's just not, like, it's almost like he's not coordinated or he's not... He, he's all over the place, right? So if he's covering somebody, he's not in a straight line taking the fastest route there. Like, he's kind of always, like, overrunning in either direction and trying to kind of, like, keep up with any kind of cut, and it's not crisp, it's not smooth, it's not disciplined with his athleticism, and so it neutralizes some of it. There still is that separation. He can close on it once the catch has already been made, but far too easy for Stafford to find some of those, especially those tight ends going across the middle of the field. Play action killed the Bears. I think Stafford completed every single pass. I don't remember if it was six or eight or ten play action passes. He was like 10 to 10 on play action for 100 and a billion yards and a couple of touchdowns in there. I mean, the Bears were vulnerable there. And especially, I thought it was the linebackers versus the tight ends, where the tight ends would just kind of slip out behind them on a crossing route. And even Roquan Smith was vulnerable on that a couple times. And he's he's trying to recover, but if the guy's already got a full sprint and you're coming from kind of a standstill, it's just not enough time to get there and make that 
you know, to be close enough in coverage to disrupt that pass, and it was too easy for a couple of those completions. I was also a little frustrated with Roquan Smith. I noticed at least twice he's out of position in the running game where he's not in his gap. He he tries to, like, bounce to the outside and, and be a hero and make a play. Like, oh, I can if I sneak over here, I think I can get around and get the running back, and he doesn't because the running back's going the opposite direction. Like, he guesses to try and be aggressive in an unnecessary way, where if he had just kind of stepped into his spot where he was supposed to be, he could have stopped the running back for fewer yards. So it's just it's another one of those things. We saw that from last year from Roquan. As much as we want to crown him as you know a top young linebacker, still some very clear room for improvement for him, both in coverage and run defense. When he didn't have a terrible game. He's not a bad linebacker, but not a perfect linebacker either. We definitely still need to see... Uh, just a, a bit more from him as well as we kind of move forward. And, I, you know, I think the Rams had some real success with the no huddle and trying to go some up-tempo at times, and it's just not something the Bears did all that much offensively. And I thought it was really effective, even when the Rams are up 13, to have a completion and get every back to the line of scrimmage and say, Bears don't get to substitute. Let's get more plays in there. Let's keep them. They're tired. They're on their heels, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't feel like Chicago does that with their offense. And it just it's little things like that that it feels like this Bears offense is either missing or not doing all that well. And I, I was curious because the wide receiver, Marquise, Marquise, Marquise Goodwin, excuse me, Marquise Christian, Marquise Goodwin, the wide receiver, had some interesting comments at in his press conference. He kind of snuck in a line there about what the Bears offense was doing against this Los Angeles Rams defense that he kind of seemed to be questioning outwardly in some small public way. We'll, we'll hear Goodwin's comment and his, his sort of thoughts on the Bears offensive game plan and then look at some of the other numbers and, and what we saw on tape at, that kind of speak to it next on Locked On Bears. Does this sound familiar? You've got your one device that lets you watch the game live. You've got another one that's got your shows on it. You've got sports highlights on your phone and then you've got your neighbor's best friend's login that gets you all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about something that's a little more simple to get all the entertainment you want all in one place without the hassle. And it's a great way to really get your TV together. It's called DirecTV Stream and it lets you bring live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch all your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and, and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part is there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and finally get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Visit directtv.com where you can learn more. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. There's no variation in the package I got from our friends at Built Bar bringing me a full box of salted caramel protein bars and let me tell you what, they are so delicious. They don't taste like protein bars. They taste like candy bars. Salted caramel flavor in particular, to me, it tastes like a Milky Way. And so because it's sweet and delicious and tastes like a candy bar, you know, I want one all the time, but I would eat, I would eat three, four, five a day if I could. And I have to kind of hold myself to just one because they, they taste so good and it's, it's easy to get kind of addicted because they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. They're soft, they're easy to chew, and they're all, most importantly, low sugar, Low calories, high fiber, and high protein. And there is no other product on the market that has that mix of nutrients plus this delicious 
of a taste. They got a bunch of great flavors. I've tried every single one. There's not a bad flavor in the bunch, but I promise you'll find your favorites just like I have. Head on over to built.com and enter our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at built.com for 15% off. It did stand out to me that Marquise Goodwin maybe exceeded expectations in this game. You know, he was in, it was kind of, you know, few and far between. It, it was more like short spurts. He'd get the ball here, he'd get the ball there. It wasn't like 10 catches, but the few that he made, he was effective. And I think in particular, you saw the, the Rams defense really respect his speed to where the short routes he would run, they would be expecting something deeper, and so he'd be able to create that separation by stopping, and they would kind of keep going a little bit just to make sure that he didn't overrun them and get over top. And I think he did a good job, too, of, like, if he's gonna, if he knows he's going to run a curl route, he, he'll put a move like he's gonna about to break it vertical, right? It was like he'll start inside and then go to the outside like he's going to try and go up the sideline, but then he stops. But the defender was already trying to go up the sideline with him and create that separation, really, that I think really stood out to me, in part because, I mean, all the routes he was running ended up being underneath routes. And that he, he was asked about that at, at a press conference yesterday. And, you know, the first couple times he was asked, you know, about the play calling and the short passes, he's like, you know, it's out of my control. I just do what I do best. I'm going to run fast. I'm going to catch the ball when they throw it to me, and I'm going to try and make plays after the catch. He was being a very good company man and saying all the things he's supposed to say, and I don't blame him at all, and that's, that's, that's what he should say, yes. He doesn't control the play calling. It's not his job to worry about it necessarily. He just has to do what he has asked and trust that the coaching staff is going to do what's best for him and the offense. But after a while, he was asked a little more specifically about Jalen Ramsey, and I don't know, he let a little, little something kind of slip through there. I mean... Bears fans, I think, are ready to say this was like an intentional shot at Matt Nagy. I'm not ready to go quite that far, but listen for yourself and see what you think. As you mentioned, he's a unique player, all pro, pro bowler, um, instinctive, like especially in short spaces. Um, and, you know, us not running past 10 yards, that, that you know, fell right into his hand, I feel like. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, he... I don't, yeah. All right, so you can kind of tell at the end there, he, he kind of stumbled over his words and kind of got a loss of words. And again, that you, you read between the lines and say, well, that was him realizing he maybe said too much. I, I'm not ready to go fully there. But just, you know, he just asked, Jalen Ramsey's really good. How does that, you know, how, does that, how do you feel about the challenge that he presents? And he's like, I mean, you heard him. He's like, well, when you run short routes, that kind of plays into what he does best. That's not to say Marquise Goodwin says Matt Nagy's whole game plan was stupid or disagrees with all of it because there's 10 other players in the, on defense besides Jalen Ramsey that, you know, maybe running shorter routes could be more effective against them as opposed to Ramsey's aggressiveness, right? There's, there's a lot more to this game than just, well, Ramsey's aggressive, so you can't run short routes against him. And, you know, I think some of it can be game plan based where it makes sense when you've got Aaron Donald threatening you up the middle every single time and you don't you don't want to call all these long developing plays and have Dalton stand in the pocket like a sitting duck waiting for receivers to get open downfield. And when you go back and watch the tape, there's a lot of short throws. I mean, all of Dalton's throws were short. There's a lot of short routes. There are some plays where receivers are working downfield even when Dalton ends up throwing short. Some of that's just progression. Some of that's pressure in the pocket. And he's got to throw short. He doesn't have time. He didn't have time a lot of the time 
to throw deeper. Some of it's Dalton's inclination. Some of it's maybe Dalton not having an elite arm strength to be able to fire in some of those. Like if it's a tight pocket and it's a tight window, he knows he can't force that throw downfield because it's just not going to be, you know, it's not Jay Cutler on a zip, even Matthew Stafford to some extent. He's not Patrick Mahomes that can just fire a laser in. He knows his own limitations there. He's not a weak quarterback per se, but he's not an elite arm guy that can, you know, really rifle it in there in that same way. So even though he is the red rifle, which is more an ironic nickname, I think, than anything else at this point. But at the same time, I get really frustrated watching that tape, and it's curl routes, curl routes, curl routes, curl routes over and over and over again. Even on plays where it doesn't throw the curl, you can see it. It feels like every damn play, someone is running a curl route short of the first down marker. And it's just... It just feels like doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, they get a couple slants in there and some check downs. And even on plays with curls, there were other routes on the play. And it's not like it was the only play they were calling over and over again. It's just that same route they kept coming back to. And it just feels stagnant and uninnovative. I don't know what the opposite of innovative would be besides un uninnovative, just simple. I, I, I don't know exactly what it is. And it's Dalton's first game in the system. And, you know, they want to keep things simple for him right away. And maybe as the season goes on, they can open up more of that with him in addition to opening up more with fields, right? It's not to fully condemn Matt Nagy for the rest of the season based on just one game and one sets of frustrations. But we had talked about how for a Bears game plan on Friday's podcast, some different things you might want to do to potentially mix it up. And when you're throwing short all the time, it's hard to come back from a two-touchdown deficit when you're not throwing past the sticks almost ever. And then, you know, we talked about trying to do more play action because maybe that can get Aaron Donald coming up field or have to stop for the running play and create more time in the pocket for your quarterback. The Bears, I think with, with Andy Dalton, it was the fourth lowest percentage of play action of any quarterback this past week. And despite your running game working, which should make the play action slightly more effective if the threat of David Montgomery is is growing, then they have to really respect that more when you run the play action. The Bears did some, but not nearly enough as they should. I also talked about how maybe you mix in some running back screens to get the pass rushers coming up field and then dump it off to the running back behind them. The Bears ran two screens all game, and it was those wide receiver screens that they just can't block. The wide receivers on the Bears cannot block the screen. Even when they have good numbers, It, it like, even though there's two defenders and two blockers, and so if your wide receiver has the ball, there's no one to tackle him. It should work mathematically, not when neither of your wide receivers can block those plays. So I don't know why Matt Nagy still runs those wide receiver screens knowing they cannot execute it. When you could try the running back screen and get offensive linemen involved, maybe even a tight end screen. We're seeing that have some success in the NFL. Maybe Jimmy Graham, Cole Komet, Jesper Horstead, the fast tight end on their team. I don't know. It just seems like the Bears weren't, weren't doing enough different things. And maybe that's, again, Dalton, week one, new system, not wanting to put too much on his plate, wanting to keep him in a rhythm, et cetera, et cetera. But it just it just feels like there's more there. Like, you know, you saw one back shoulder pass to Jimmy Graham against Jalen Ramsey, of all people. But, like, you know, there's a red zone. Just lined him up, big tight end against smaller defensive back, and it was an easy completion for, for Andy Dalton. We saw that once all game. Jimmy Graham played 14 snaps. He's getting paid $10 million this year on the rest of his contract. I mean, why, why don't we see more of Jimmy Graham, even against other defensive backs, the smaller cornerbacks on the team? Just little things like that. Like, we need to see a more progression and evolution from this Bears offense. You can be sure next week in each and every game, we're going to dive in the tape and break down 
any progress we do see or any lack of progress that we see right here on the Lockdown Bears podcast. So make sure that you subscribe to keep up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. On tomorrow's podcast, we'll be joined by Jake Liskow and James Rapine from Locked on Bengals. We'll get the scoop on how Cincinnati beat the Vikings last week, whether we should be more concerned than we think if Joe Burrow's taken another step this year and everything we need to know about the Bears' opponent. Then on Friday's podcast, we will put together a game plan for the Bears once again what they need to do to beat Cincinnati Bengals. So I hope you'll keep tuning in. I hope you'll keep following along. I appreciate you listening today to this podcast. Wherever you listen to podcasts, we're free and available on all platforms. And as always, I hope the podcast, in exchange for you listening, I hope it makes it that much easier for you to bear down.